And here we are, right here, live on Facebook, Facebook Live. And here we are going live on a YouTube. We are now live YouTube Comedy Schools channel. And of course, live on Comedy Schools Radio Network.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages. My name is Tony Visick. The name of the show is Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. That is the entire title. That's even when I say I'm Tony Visick, I still have to say Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. Actually, there's no legal compulsion to do that. I just am saying it to be annoying. So, uh, which is, you know what? That is my um, that is my uh, my true gift in life, ladies and gentlemen. It is two p.m. This is your daily distraction for all the anger, anxiety, and hoopla going on in the world today. Um, good to be here. You know what? Every day it's good to be here. All right. Uh, every day I count my. Um, I don't want to say count my blessings. I don't want to say that. Hello, Tina and Mike. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Uh, I don't want to say count my blessings. That would, I always have people go, I'm truly blessed. And I go, do you think that's it? That you, that God looked down and went, you know what? We're going to put you in a 3,000 square foot home because of something wonderful you did in life. And if you don't keep saying I'm blessed all the time, you'll take it away. Is that what you think will happen? And if you believe that, do you believe in alien demon seed? I appreciate the good fortune in my life. You know, I'm well aware of the misfortune of my life, and I work to make sure that whatever I can do to correct whatever part of my misfortune I've been responsible for, I correct it, and the rest I can do nothing about. But uh, I feel very fortunate through this time to still be able to be with you here every day. Um, someone who is not with us anymore is uh, Herman Cain. Herman Cain was uh, 74 years old. Herman Cain ran for president uh, in uh, the Republican Party a number of years back. Uh, he stumbled badly with his 999 plan, some sort of weird tax plan that didn't add up whatsoever. Herman Cain at one time was the, uh, uh, the CEO of, I believe, Little Caesar's Pizza, 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 uh, and turned that country, uh, helped turn that company into a mega company that uh, became worth a fortune and became a brand known throughout America. That was the good news about Herman Cain. The bad news about Herman Cain was, like so many, like so many who at one time were discriminated against, like so many who as an individual but are in the group that they were with was denied the normal opportunities that this country and system of government offers, that once Herman Cain was able to achieve success, he then became like the people who were denying him. Um, such an intelligent guy, such a smart guy. Yet he insisted on going to these rallies and not wearing a mask. Uh, I don't, yeah. I understand that an 18, 19, 20 year old, gotta get out and do something, man. I don't understand it in a 74 year old man. And uh, sadly enough, uh, Mr. Herman Cain, former presidential candidate, advisor to uh, Donald J. Trump, uh, passed away, I believe, this morning from a coronavirus. So uh, we uh, send out a uh, heartfelt condolences to his family and friends. I believe it is also uh, something we can always learn from our misfortunes or misfortunes of others, not to gloat over them, but to learn from them. What we have learned from the misfortune of Herman Cain is wear a mask and avoid crowds. Wear a mask and avoid crowds. We're going to beat this thing. What it's going to take to beat this thing 
is for the seriousness of it to become undeniable to the deniers. For the seriousness of it. You know, on the one day we had the uh, so-called, and I say so-called, I don't use the term frontline. Frontline doctors. Hold on, I got to read this. It's a different thing. Uh, I don't think it was, uh, I don't think it was sent to us. No, that's a different uh, YouTube video. Uh, One thing that... um, that's what's going to have to take place, is that it's going to have to be undeniable to the deniers. The uh, so-called frontline doctors out uh, making their pitch in front of the Supreme Court the other day, a bunch of people were in white coats, none of them epidemiologists, none of them uh, experts in infectious disease, some of them, yes, all of them doctors, some of them uh, eye doctors, you know, uh, making uh, wild claims about masks don't work and that uh, hydrochloroquine is the answer. By the way, if hydrochloroquine is the answer then Donald J. Trump could have his massive rallies, his massive Republican conventions. He could have them because we would have the cure. That'd be simple. All right, it'd be like, let's get a flu shot. We're going to go to this mass rally. If we get COVID, we're just going to take a whole bunch of uh, hydra, whatever it is, (laughs) and then we'll be cured. But it's not a cure. So on one day, those of us who are just trying to be reasonable about all this are fighting all that misinformation, and people won't believe us the next day, someone who is somewhat of a denier of the seriousness of the disease, uh, the Honorable Herman Cain, uh, unfortunately succumbs to it. So wear a mask. Avoid crowds where you can. Wash your hands. And I say wash. You know, that might be the problem. I think that maybe the instructions being given to the American public at large are not being given in a way that makes them really listen. So if you tell people, wash your hands, you go, you know what? I, you know, shut up. You don't get to tell me what to do. You know what? Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Uh, if you were to have someone going, look here. <clears throat> Stay away from me. Stay away from mine. We're all going to get together to hold down sooner or later. Well, it's going to be later if y'all keep wanting to run around and touch butts with each other at some sort of disco. So stay away from me, stay away from mine, and wash your hands. Wash them. Then I think more people would listen because there's, there's the voice of gravitas. That is the voice of gravitas. All right, this show is built around three things, ladies and gentlemen, three fun things. One of them is your questions and comments as you uh, join us here uh, on Facebook Live, on YouTube, Comedy Schools, or on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com where we try to answer our comment back in uh, the most fun way possible. Unless he has a serious question, then uh, we'll answer in the goofiest way possible. Uh, it's that. Also, uh, uh, it's built around me showing you some artifact, memorabilia, curiosity, uh, memento that I have laying around here in the home office and trying to build something of a story around it. And we recommend uh, two albums, two pieces of music, or two artists based on our vast vinyl album collection. So, uh, And I've got some good stuff for you today. Uh, let me address the uh, ongoing living on a thin line controversy that uh, I have to deal with on a daily basis. And I'm glad that Kevin Brown is here because he is now, uh, <clears throat> Kevin Brown, who I think the world of, is now uh, throwing uh, gasoline on the fire when it comes to the bobblehead controversy here at Living on a Thin Line. I have shared with my audience, with my viewers, something like 40 bobbleheads. Not shared them with you, not like, you know, you get the rub it, I get the rub it. I've shown them to you, I've talked to you about them. And then people started calling me a bobblehead collector. I am not a collector. I am a 
curator. I am a rescuer. We rescue bobbleheads. We are now the official Facebook Live show for bobblehead rescue. Bobbleheads that are uh, usually, uh, uh, usually someone gets them at a ball game. You know, they're sold at a ball game. And you give them to your kids. And the kids love to put them in the house. Then the kids get older and they don't care about them anymore. And then they end up shoved back in the closet. And then they're going to end up in a landfill. We rescue these bobbleheads before they reach the landfill. We give them the love and attention that each and every bobblehead deserves. So to say I'm a collector is uh, false. Uh, and then, then Kevin Brown, who's watching, I see you, you cannot hide, okay, puts up a thing with a jogger late last night. I'm trying to go to sleep. I'm a busy man. I need my rest. But as I was checking Facebook to see what I, who I should be pissed off at before I go to sleep, I came across a video that Kevin Brown put up of a guy doing various types of runs, okay, running like this, running like this running like this, you know, and saying it's this kind of run, that kind of run, and then was the bobblehead, and then, and then gathering up those who, uh, uh, who are my enemies. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to this bobblehead kind of version, you go, hey, do you think Tony Vizic runs like that? Because, uh, uh, because uh, he is a, uh, he collects bobbleheads, I do not. Hold up, Cheryl, I want you to, uh, if you could do me a favor, just right over there, you can see the medallion on the uh, yellow, uh, could you bring that over? So I don't run anymore. So by the way, this video, this comical video showing all these different ways that people run, uh, none of them apply to me. I'm not a bobblehead runner because I don't run. But I did at one time run, look at that, look at that, read it and weep. I did run the LA Marathon one time. And that's when I thought I was old. That's it, that's what you get if you run the LA Marathon. When I thought I was old at 50, at 50, I thought, man, I want to run one, you know, and if I don't do it now, I'll never be able to do it, all right? But there it is. I ran the LA Marathon, okay? And by the way, if you look at this video, Kevin Brown is watching right now, and he's laughing. You're laughing. I see you. I see you laughing. For those of you watching, uh, like Kevin Brown, go to his page. First off, he's a very funny comic. Uh, as a comic, it was by the name Kev the All-Star, and I think that that is an appropriate name for him. I truly do. Go to his page, and you'll see this video he put up. This guy doing all these different types of running. Uh, and by the way, when I, and one is the floppy hand, the shaky legs, the stiff arms, all of that. Let me tell you something. If you're going to run a 26-mile marathon at the age of 50, when up until the time you trained, you never ran any further than five miles, you will run every version. You'll be the floppy leg. You'll be, you'll be the floppy arm. You'll be the straight leg. You'll be the bareback. You'll be the guy running forward. You'll be all of it because you'll be in pain from about a half mile in. Daniel Bro says, play Freebird. You know, Daniel, you put that up all the time. Lord, you can't change. Lord, you can't change, Daniel Bros. Listen, Daniel, if I stay here with you, boy, would you if I were to leave you, would you still remember me? Uh, Mike Lawson says, I can remember you running when we played Sandlot, Sandlot football as kids and you would run over our ass. Man, you know what, Mike? One of my fondest memories from all of us when we were kids, most of you don't know uh, the Lawsons, but uh, the Lawsons uh, were my pals. We didn't start out as pals. We started out like most kids in the country where we all had to run up and punch each other in the nose a couple times. Then we became buddies. And Mike, were you there the night at the High Ridge homecoming? 
when out of nowhere, I was yelling at my brother Jerry because he was supposed to meet me some at a certain place at the High Ridge Homecoming because we had to be home or we get in trouble. And I was yelling at him because he was late. They had Emery Sproul, who was like two or three grades above us, out of nowhere, punched me in the nose and broke my nose. And all of a sudden, it was you and your brothers and me just beating the shit out of all of them. Do you remember that, Mike? <laughs> and one of my fondest memories, buddy, by the way, and it just it's flashing my head right now, is all of us as kids, I believe, playing in your front yard. Playing in your front yard, you know, and all of us play. We, we did some fun stuff. Were you with us the time that we uh, broke into that barn and threw all the hay off the, the top of it? We're diving out of the barn, just going through the sky and landing in hay. We had some good, we had some good country times. But I remember playing, uh, uh, yep, the late Emery. Yeah, Emery is no longer with us. That's what he gets for punching me in the nose when I was 15. He was like 18. The bastard. Uh, by the way, um, his girlfriend, I won't say his name here, her name now, but she's become a very accomplished woman, a woman who... Um, uh, I think she scratched your brother Billy because uh, your brother Billy jumped on him and was like hanging on him up in the air, punching him in the head. <laughs> Did we get caught breaking into that barn? I know this show has now become for no one except for me and Mike Lawson. That's fine with me. I don't remember if we got caught. Did we get caught? Maybe you guys went back. Maybe we got caught. I don't know. All right. That was some fun stuff. I have run. Okay. I do not collect bobbleheads. Um, we're going to go a little short today. But, uh, man, I've been having fun just talking about this, okay? Uh, we're going to get right to the music. This counts as the thing that we showed you today. No bobblehead. There it is from 2000, 2005, which I can't believe that's 15 years ago right now. 2005, okay? I ran the L.A. Marathon. My brother Jerry's ran about 90,000 marathons. Uh, he helped train me for this particular marathon. And what I remember is, is I was getting... Finally crossed the finish line. He was already hanging out, eating a hot dog, changed clothes. I think he'd gone home and watched some television. Took me forever to finish that. Uh, let's talk about the music so that uh, uh, anybody who um, uh, will be watching later will be able to uh, check in on this. I'm going to talk about a couple cool albums here right now. Hey, a uh, couple things, a couple things. Okay. Uh, we have coming up this Sunday night a uh, Tony Visit Presents but I haven't really uh, promoted it yet. We got that coming up. But what you want to do, if you're watching this now or you're going to watch it later, you want to go to ComedySchools.com, check out what we do, attend one of our free intros, or sign up for our beginning stand-up comedy workshop. Uh, it's fun. You'll enjoy it. You'll be glad you did. That's about all the adver advertisement I have today. I'm going to show you two albums here. And one comes from the 60s, uh, and it's this album. And that is Simon and Garfunkel. Okay, early on, and this is bookends. Uh, I don't really know where it goes in the discography of Simon and Garfunkel, but it has songs that became the soundtrack to all of our lives. Uh, of course, the, uh, hold on, I'm going to sneeze. No, I'm not. I am. <coughs> Man, did you see that on YouTube? You didn't see it on Facebook. Uh, Mrs., uh, Mrs. Robinson. Okay, from the motion picture, The Graduate. Okay, uh, uh, really great tune. My favorite tune on this album, if you want to listen to Simon and Garfunkel really kind of captured the mood of uh, the baby boom generation just as they were becoming young adults, just as they were leaving high school or going into college or graduating from college, uh, of 
young people coming into America during that tumultuous time. And I think the song that really, uh, really, 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 really captures that time is their song, America. All come to look for America. Uh, I love the line, the thing, there's a, like a rise in a line. It took me four days to hit Chuck from Saginaw, we all come. It just so much captures a new young generation spreading its wings throughout the country and looking for the ideal and the dream that we had been told America was when we were in school. I'm not saying that it wasn't. I'm not saying that it isn't. But our generation's search for that American dream I've never heard a song that more captured what it was like than that song, America. So if you, if you haven't listened to it in a while, you know, if you haven't listened to Simon and Garfunkel in a while, and I don't blame you if you haven't, uh, uh, listen to the song, America. YouTube that, America. Other great songs on here, of course, were, uh, uh, let me see, that were big hits. Were, uh, Mrs. Robinson, of course, Hazy Shade of Winter which, uh, man, was so evocative. That's what Simon and Garfunkel would do, just write this incredibly evocative music. Uh, produced by uh, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel. Songs by, po- uh, songs by Paul Simon. So some of them were written by him in art, but uh, Paul was the, was the writer. Um, they were an incredible duo, an incredible duo who seemed to show up just at the right time for a young America coming of age, okay, and wrote a lot of the soundtrack for that journey from leaving childhood into young adult into full-scale adult. Uh, Art Garfunkel later on went, to have, went on to have an uh, uh, interesting recording career, a uh, beautiful tune, um, I Love You and That's All I Know. Uh, Paul Simon, of course, after Simon and Garfunkel, Continue to flourish incredibly as a songwriter and singer. Uh, Art Garfunkel also was in a, a movie, uh, not The Graduate, um, what was it with uh, Carnal Knowledge? Carnal Knowledge, written by cartoonist and author Jules Pfeiffer, brilliant guy, starring Jack Nicholson, Art Garfunkel, and Candace Bergen. Uh, that movie captured a generation coming of age, now grappling with adulthood and trying to find their own way, sometimes making more mistakes than the previous generation that they did not want to listen to. Okay, so Art Garfunkel uh, continued to have a success, and did Paul Simon, but this album bookend just has these two or three incredible songs. America, Mrs. Robinson, which gets played to death, okay, in Hazy Shade of Winter, but America, YouTube that, and tell me that's not a fantastic song. Here they are, two young men already beginning to ride a, a crest of success and creating a new form of music for a new generation. Now, this next album is kind of a weird album, all right? So, it's kind of hard, and I'm just showing you the picture, then I'll read to you what it is. The name of this album, and I don't know where I got it, is Redneck Mothers. Now, this predates the outlaw country explosion. So, what was the outlaw country explosion? Sometime in the mid-'70s, an album came out called uh, Outlaws, and it had Willie... It was a sampler of Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Jerry Jeff Walker, Jesse Coulter. Um, God, who was the other guy on it? Something Paul. All right. And it exploded. It was like disco in that all of a sudden it was everywhere. And it became the music for guys like, uh, I would, I'm not speaking for you, Mike, but guys like us, people who thought we were hippies, 
thought that we were, you know, counterculture people, but we're still living kind of in a rural existence, okay, and still close with our families and our friends, and there was that weird hybrid of, of a sort of a redneck lifestyle and, uh, uh, and uh, sort of hippie-ish culture, which meant that we said y'all and drank beer and smoked pot, I think, and listened to Skinner. But uh, right before that big explosion, there was a lot going on underneath, all right? And this album really has some of the uh, top songs of sort of the uh, outlaw country underground. Uh, one is, of course, uh, I'm trying to look and see who wrote this. Uh, Up Against the Wall, Redneck Mother. Now, if you want to hear a song, when I was a young guy in my early 20s drinking in bars in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, there was always live music. Live music was a thing. Okay, either bands or duos, uh, folk music. This is for the uh, comedy explosion, kind of pushed all that away, by the way, which came, you know, late 70s, early 80s, mid 70s. And Up Against the Wall, Redneck Mother was a song that everybody loved. Up against the wall, redneck mother. And there was a part where everybody's drunk in the bar and they go, mothers who have raised their children so well. And everybody in the bar go, so well, so well, so well. And we just thought that was funny as hell. And I believe that version was done by Jerry Jeff Walker. And apparently it was written by, uh, was it written by Bobby Bear? We're going to look and see. I always thought it was written by Jerry Jeff Walker. I'm going to see if I can find it. Bear with me. Uh, rednecks, whites, uh, I can't really find it. Uh, it looks to look on this side over here. Uh, oh, wow. It was written by one of the most unheralded yet great, uh, country rock country, outlaw country guys all the time. Oh, Ray Wiley Hubbard. He wrote up against the wall, redneck mothers. So that was a tune that all of us, we all had long hair, we all wore bell bottoms, we all saw the Rolling Stones and Leonard Skinner, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, we all loved rock and roll, but we liked some of that country music too, okay, this was one of the songs that let it merge, of course, Rednecks, White Sox, Blue Ribbon Beer is on here, uh, and uh, Whiskey River, done here by... Uh, the Tennessee Pulley Bone. I don't know who they And a version of Tobacco Road. All right? So this album kind of captures what was going on before it really became a national thing. It became apparent to everyone. The uh, title of the album is Redneck Mothers. It's all songs about rednecks, uh, but uh, long-haired rednecks, hippies. I mean, kind of look on the back here. So... If you see the way that guy looks with the mustache and the hair, you know, that was, uh, you could get your ass kicked for looking like that at a certain time in the late 60s or so. That was considered long hair. What are you, some sort of, are you, are you a boy or a girl? Or the famous line, of course, from Easy Rider when uh, Dennis Hopper and uh, um, Peter Fonda walk into a diner someplace down deep south, a bunch of real rednecks are sitting there staring at him. One of them goes, are those boys or girls? Because they look like a bunch of refugees from a gorilla love in. <laughs> One of the great lines in a counterculture movie, Easy Rider. So if you want to check out a tune that really kind of shaped a big section of American music throughout the 70s into the 80s, uh, YouTube, Up Against the Wall, Redneck Mother. Up Against the Wall, Redneck Mother. 
And of course, Whiskey River, which, you know, if you know Willie Nelson, you know that song. Okay? So we've kind of showed you two things today, music-wise. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel capturing uh, the baby boom generation just beginning to come into its own. And then just a few short years later, that section of the baby boom that kind of felt left behind by the Simon and Garfunkel section of our... Uh, Simon and Garfunkel did not speak to young guys and girls in places like Jefferson County or outside of Memphis, Tennessee or outside of Little Rock, Arkansas as much as Willie and Waylon would. We liked them. We liked them. We loved them, but we felt like, you know, the thing with Simon and Garfunkel, and I loved Simon and Garfunkel, but Simon and Garfunkel reminded me of people that if I ended up at a party where Simon and Garfunkel and a bunch of friends were, that I would be kind of shunned a little bit because I was a little rough around the edges. Simon and Garfunkel was not, from music for, was not music for people who were rough around the edges. For those of us who still were of a baby boom generation and coming to our own late 60s throughout the uh, 70s, some of us were rough around the edges. And uh, even rednecks love singing along with the redneck mother, says Fred Scott. You're damn right. It's one of the things that brought us together. It's one of the things that brought the hippies and the rednecks together. Okay? The outlaw country music spoke to us. It spoke to us. Those of us that were rough around the edges. Okay? And then one day, and a long time, for a long time, those of us that were rough on the edges felt kind of bad about it. Felt less than. And one day we went, God damn it, this is who we are. And we ain't going to be ashamed. And you don't be ashamed of who you are either. All right? So listen, we're going to wrap up for the day. I hope you enjoyed the show. I enjoyed doing it. I always enjoy doing it. I'm going to be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. for all of you. Tell your friends, tell your uh, family, tell your neighbors, tell your pals. There's something going on at 2 p.m. on their phone, okay, where we talk about some great stuff, or I think it's great stuff. Great reminiscing, man, with Mike Lawson today. Man, man, and seeing Kelly Wilson here, my first ever roommate when I had my uh, first apartment. Great seeing him here. Uh, everybody else, Fred Scott, Kevin Brown, everybody who joined in today, Sandy, uh, Sandy, Ed Easton, just a whole, too many of you to mention. All right, every day at 2 p.m., tell people to tune in. I'll talk to you, and you talk to me. And damn it, wash your hands. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.